from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. In her Credit Union Magazine profile, Shell Dwyer says she just fell into her job at Franklin First Federal Credit Union in Greenfield, Massachusetts, where she started as a temporary teller in 2006. That might have been true at first, but Dwyer's ascension to CEO by 2016 was anything but happenstance. From the beginning, she says she asked a lot of questions and filled in wherever she could. At a small credit union, those are invaluable qualities. She also understands the value of serving her community, which made her a natural for the CEO role. Michelle has a management style that reflects her collaborative values and her sense of responsibility. I think you'll see why small credit unions are in good hands with people like Michelle Dwyer at the helm. Credit Union Magazine recognized Dwyer as a 2018 credit union rock star in a special issue sponsored by Fiserv. In your magazine profile, we offhandedly remarked about how you almost fell into your credit union job. Uh, you were hired in 2007 as a temporary teller, and then approximately nine years later in 2016, you were hired as CEO. Uh, obviously, you have a story to tell. Uh, what was it about that temporary teller job that worked out so well for you? You know, it, it's kind of funny because as I came in as a temporary teller, it was just kind of a job that I needed to kind of just pay my rent. I wasn't looking at it as a career by any means. And to be honest with you, when I first started, I was a pretty crappy teller. Um, but after about six or seven months, I kind of really started to understand my job. And I'm very much a um, person who loves to learn. So I would kind of go out to different departments and whenever I had a question and try to learn from them those aspects of, of what I was asking so I don't have to go back to them again. And I think by doing that and building up and building up my knowledge, it made me a better teller. And so when jobs started to open up, um, the first one that opened up um, was the lead teller position. So basically the supervisor on the line when the actual teller supervisor was not in the area, um, I was able to get that within about a year and a half. Um, and that had a lot to do with because I was um, so kind of good about going out and finding out answers and retaining knowledge, and it, it became important for me to do that. So I did that for about a year and a half, um, and then at that point, a position opened up in the upstairs, which was a back office position, um, and basically what that was was to take care of all like the ACH, EFT, ATM, online banking, um, and then they combined it at that time. It was split up into two jobs, and they combined it into one job for me. So I was also taking care of um, helping out the CFO with accounting stuff, general ledger, um, payroll, HR stuff that what as well. And I did that job for about four or five years. In that time, I also attended um, Credit Union Management School, which is a three-year program um, offered by CUNA. Um, and so as I did that, I kind of got the impression that my path was um, going to be headed towards the CEO position because at that time um, our CEO was hinting more and more towards retirement and I knew that there was other people in the building um, that were qualified for the position but it wasn't really on their kind of five-year plan. It's not something that they really wanted to do. 
So I knew that the option there was there for me, and so I just continued to work and learn and try to soak up as much knowledge as I could from her and from different trainings and that type of thing. And um, as we got closer to her retirement, it became clear that the board was confident enough in me that they weren't going to look outside. So I had my sit-down with the board, and they kind of were excited about my ideas and my excitement in the position. So in 2016, they appointed me the CEO when when our former CEO retired, and it's kind of been a fun ride. So it's really a testament to kind of going beyond your job description from the get-go and learning about other departments. I mean, you can really tell people that this is how you advance, is um, asking questions, kind of getting beyond your comfort level, that kind of thing. You can, you're a living testament to that. I tell everybody from tellers to loan officers to our CFO, if I can see that you are going beyond your comfort zone, that you are making an effort to learn something, no matter if you make mistakes or not, that's going to happen. It's just the process of learning. It shows to me that you have pride in your job and that you really want to, you know, work here and work towards being a better person in general because you're, you're putting more knowledge into yourself. And if you don't stay here, that's fine, but you are learning and you're putting your effort into it. And that to me is more important kind of than what you're coming in to the building with as for knowledge. Was there a, like a light bulb moment where you really thought, you know, I really want to make a career out of credit unions or make a career out of this at your credit union? I think it was probably like four years ago when I kind of was getting the impression that the CEO position was a very real possibility for me. And that is not necessarily because of the financial aspect of it, because it's not, that's not really my game. I'm not super great about all that. Like I understand it, but I'm, I'm not a CFO or an accountant by any means, but knowing kind of what the credit union movement was and their impact they can have on their community and I saw a real opportunity for me to be in this position and make that impact and really kind of make a splash in our community and start really promoting financial education and, and you know, just philanthropy in general. So I, that was what really excited me because that's, that's kind of my, where my passion lies. So credit unions did appeal to you, the whole credit union, the cooperative structure, the people helping people, that part did, did sit right with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My mom, so a little background, my mom actually belonged to a credit union while I was younger and she sat on a board for a credit union and she was also on the supervisory um, committee for a credit union. And I remember going to the boring annual meetings, the, you know, those ones we all love to go to. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody understands dinner. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just with just the board shows up and the employees. I remember going to those with her for years and just kind of, you know, watching how that all goes around. And it's kind of interesting how I've kind of fallen into that now. And I, I know in a previous conversation that we had, uh, you spoke about learning a lot of credit union conferences, and you also talked about CUNA Management School just a few minutes ago. And in my job, I attend a lot of conferences, and I can kind of attest that there's something very powerful about getting together with your peers and sharing experiences whether they're positive or negative. And, and obviously, CUNA strongly advocates this type of networking. Can you tell us how attending these events have helped your career and kind of, you know, helped you kind of realize your goals? Absolutely. So conferences um, in general are just a great place to kind of meet your peers. And that's honestly where I started to actually meet my colleagues. Um, 
and you form really great relationships and kind of, especially with CUNA management school, because you're with that class for three years straight and you form like really good bonds and you have this network of people that you can go out and ask questions to bounce ideas off of. And that has been invaluable to me for the last five years. Um, also, it allows you to kind of work through things with other credit unions. And there's a weird kind of level, depending on what credit unions you're talking to, whether they're, you know, kind of a quote-unquote um, competitor or not and how they feel about that. But some there's a lot of people, a lot of CEOs, a lot of business development folks that love to have conversations in order to help you, and they, you know, they bounce ideas back and forth, and it's it's been invaluable in as far as as that information has been. And I mean, we have good relationships with the credit unions around us, where they you know, they have gone above and beyond, I think, in helping me kind of figure out the industry and get started programs that we necessarily hadn't had prior, and we didn't have a kind of a, a foundation of how to get those started. And they have been great about feeding us information. And, I mean, we even have, just to name one, Greylock Federal Credit Union, they have been so great to us. They even helped us kind of fund our financial counseling program to help us get a couple employees um, certified as financial counselors. So it's really great, and that goes back to the kind of the whole the co-op feeling. But that connection happens at a conference. We, you know, I had never met the CEO of, of Greylock, and, I just happened to run into him there, and we started having a conversation. He's like, hey, you know what? We have these programs. We can totally help you get them started. And that would have never happened if we hadn't attended these conferences and put, you know, ourselves together with other credit unions and, and kind of that idea incubator. Since taking over as CEO, I know your biggest focus has been on becoming more prominent in your community. Can you tell me a little bit about that and why that is? Sure. So um, when I took over as CEO, we really didn't have a huge name in in our community. We are a competitor, again, quote, unquote, because they're very helpful to us as well, but um, with two really large community banks that kind of eat up our our county and and go outside of our county as well. Um, And we're just kind of a one-brancher that doesn't really have a whole lot of exposure where we are. Um, So... My big goal was to get our name out and kind of develop a brand for us. And I really, the community kind of financial education and doing different things out in the community as as opposed to just giving money away. Um, We're limited, obviously, in that, and that's something that we can't really compete with. But one thing we can compete with is is showing up and and being present at things. And that was one of the big goals that we had um, with that. So in, in doing that, we were able to form really good relationships with some local organizations, uh, one being um, Franklin County Big Brothers Big Sisters, where we um, have formed a relationship with their mentoring night that they have with one of the private schools in the area. And we um, put up um, a financial carnival where the bigs and littles were able to come in and learn kind of different financial education programs through that and get carnival prizes and it was really successful, our first one, so we're on tap to do two more uh, beginning of next year. We put together a lunch and learn for financial education, the senior safeguard program that CCUA has. Uh, that was successful. We have another one coming up in December. Um, also, we are in talks to with our local community college, Greenville Community College, about um, putting together an entrepreneur center because we're starting to try to um, find a, a hole in our community that um, serves small business owners 
but on the micro loan kind of way, because we have big banks that are able to do business loans, but there's a certain level that they kind of don't really want to deal with. And we're hoping to kind of to cover that because we've had gotten a lot of feedback in the community that, you know, I just, I just need a new computer. I just need new tires for my, for my work truck. And I can't get a loan for that because it doesn't fit their needs, you know? So that's, those things are kind of where we're at in trying to get out into the community. And we're really seeing the kind of the feedback from it. We've seen increased membership and increased loans and just clearly a more definitive recognition of the Franklin first name in the community. And I was going to ask you about that micro loan program a little later, but we can kind of uh, unpack that now. And, and that, that's kind of one of your key, I guess it's a, it's a kind of a key product where you really want to kind of serve uh, sort of, I guess you would say an underserved, you've kind of identified a niche there. Um, I guess pe- people would call those, it's kind of they're small business loans, but I I think many financial institutions would call them micro loans. They're they're kind of business people that are kind of just uh, kind of would you say working on a shoestring? Maybe you know they're what are they three to five thousand dollar loans or even two thousand dollar loans? Do you want to describe them a little bit? Yeah. So what what our loan product is going to be is it's going to be twenty five thousand dollars and under because that was kind of what we saw as kind of the limit of what the bigger institutions will do for for small business loans and even the SBA doesn't enjoy doing anything under that and it's a really hard process to do that. So we're trying to to formulate a product that serves the small business owner that might not need a giant. loan because their business is already in operation and they just need, you know, equipment to replace equipment or, you know, or they're a startup, but it's an, you know, it's an online startup. So they really don't, they may just need product to make whatever craft they need, they're going to be selling, but they don't necessarily need a huge startup capital. So, and those are things that, you know, the bigger banks and institutions just won't do. It's just not that they don't want to and not that, you know, they're, being heartless about it, but their bottom line just, it doesn't make sense for them to do. And we were getting a lot of feedback about that from our members because we haven't been doing business loans. It's just nothing that seemed to us like there was a market for us. And then as we're kind of out in the community and listening to feedback from, from members and uh, business owners, and it was like, oh, okay, so there really is a market for us for this because this population that we would consider small business is not being served because they're not able to get a loan where they're looking for it without having to either just toss it on their credit card or get a personal loan where they're going to pay, you know, a much higher rate just because there's no collateral. And and there's different things that we can do. We can, you know, to make a loan more attractive for the business as opposed to having it to be, you know, a personal loan or tossing it on the credit card you know, we can use the collateral of that car that they're going to put tires on. So there's things that we can do in order to kind of make the interest rate and the risk to us less and provide a better product to them. And speaking of small, um, you're about a sixty. You're about sixty-four million in assets, right? Correct. Yeah. So you're a relatively small credit union. Can you t- kind of tell me about the the challenges and the opportunities you face? I think the challenges are just having the net income to. Ex- Band and figure out these products and services and being able to um, 
really nail down kind of where those funds are coming from on a, on a regular basis. You know, we have all the, these ideas about things we want to do and, you know, possible expansions or, you know, that type of thing. And we need, we don't have necessarily the constant capital where, you know, we're always, because we're so small, we're kind of always living on the edge. So we have to be very careful about what our plans are and kind of filter them out. Things that we might not, we might want to do right now, looking at our budget or, you know, how things are going in the economy, we have to maybe hold back on some things. Whereas I think a larger institution that has a, a more consistent net income um, are, are able to make those plans and do them. Um, and we're kind of hindered by that. Um, on the positive side, I think there's more of that. I think there's more positive than there is negative because I think we have an opportunity to kind of really understand our members. And because we are a one branch, it's not like we're losing touch anywhere. You know, people know who is in this building. They have first name bases with them. We don't have automated telephones. You're always going to talk to somebody that you're going to hear their name. And I think that that's not lost on people anymore. I know it's a, it's a big, you know, technological kind of movement that's happening, but there's still a need to have that personal kind of connection. And I think that because we are so small, in my mind, we're so small. I know there's much smaller credit unions, but because we're small and we have one branch, I think that really plays into kind of that community um, feeling that people really enjoy, you know, as opposed to the Bank of America, the citizens, the TD. I know that they're very convenient, but the chances of, of you walking in and being able to, to call up and say, hey, I need to speak to the CEO and walk up three minutes later and sit down in her office, that's not going to happen there. That's, that can happen here. Yeah, I do think people appreciate that personal touch now more than ever, and I think they that will continue to be the case with the growth of AI. And I think it it is an advancement those kinds of things because uh, they they are efficiencies, but that does make the personal touch more important than ever. Absolutely. And I think you have about you have seventeen employees. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I know, you know uh, better than I do that small credit union employees are asked to do, to do, to wear a lot of, of hats. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> how has your experience shaped how you manage your staff? I think it's been huge. So even from when I was um, just a teller, there was definitely an atmosphere of you kind of pitch in where you're needed. And there's no, you know, there's always, there's none of that, well, that's not in my job description because there's always that telltale line in, in your job description that says, and whatever else is expected of you. And we've, I've really taken that to heart and I really have tried to make sure that every one of my employees takes that to heart as well. There's been, you know, right now I'm, I'm not only am I doing the CEO job, but I'm back filling in into the old accounting specialist and ACH job. So before I got on this call with you, I was, you know, I was processing online banking transactions and, and doing load errors and that type of stuff. And it's, it, it all comes down to kind of what is needed at the time that you're in the building. And we do, there's several of us that, you know, pitch in and do marketing. I know we had spoken previously about the story about, you know, having the, the basement flooded and, and, and having to spend a couple hours after work down there cleaning that up. I mean, that's all stuff that we do on kind of a regular basis that's expected of us and that we kind of expect from ourselves. So it's, it is what it is. I mean, there's, there's definitely times where we wish we had more employees and maybe that comes with being small too. That's going back to your other question. It's, you know, we don't have the budget to have a compliance person, to have a marketing person and that type of stuff. So that's all put on us. But in a way, it's, it's also valuable for us to, all 
be part of that and know those those aspects of the credit union because it just makes us stronger employees. And there's more opportunities for employees. Oh, absolutely, yeah. How would you describe your management style? I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good honest yeah. answer, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I there's different aspects that, you know, you learn, you, you find your way, and then you learn that the, some things might not work with certain employees. Um, I try to be very open and honest, and I try to set standards and my management style is like, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, hold you responsible for something that I wouldn't hold myself responsible for. But in that same sense, I do expect you to be responsible for your actions, your work ethic and that type of stuff. And everybody does get rewarded for their kind of willingness and ability to take on tasks and, and, and taking responsibility for their for their own job as well. So I feel like I'm a pretty easy manager <laughs> of the credit union, but it's there's obviously different times when there is things that need to be addressed and I'm I'm getting better at that. I think that's one of those learning curves that everybody gets when they're they're put into kind of a, a high level position. You're a low income designated credit union. That's an NCOA designation, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me what that designation has enabled you to do? Um, that designation has really helped us kind of tailor some of our products and services. So um, after we got the low-income designation, we were um, we felt comfortable in starting to pursue the, the subprime auto lending program, um, and we started to pursue the, the financial counseling and some of the products and services, you know, credit builder and that type of thing. Um, and we are going to be moving forward and trying to get our CDFI certification as well. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely gave us kind of more confidence to know that NCA would feel comfortable with us because we are a low in- income designation and we're serving a population that some of these products and services will, I mean, we have to be careful with them, but they're not going to be scrutinized as, as much as, you know, somebody in kind of a, a more higher income area that there's no reason to have a certain product source, so... Yeah, actually, and we were just talking about those subprime auto loans, and those are really important products in a... Oh, my God, yeah. They they really can, and I credit unions are kind of finding their niche with them. Um, they can really uh, change lives. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your program? Sure. So our subprime auto program, and it, I say subprime, and subprime means, um, typically means CD and E credit score. Yeah. But um, in the development of our program, we kind of realized that it, you could be considered in our program subprime and still have an A credit. Um, it just really depends on your debt ratio because somebody with A credit could have just an enormous amount of debt and just barely be making it as far as making payments and stuff. And obviously, that that's a huge factor in when you're getting a loan. So some of those people, although wouldn't technically in a lot of people's minds be considered subprime because they haven't, you know, a 720 credit score are technically that way and might wouldn't be able to get a loan at a dealership or that time because their debt ratio is just too high. They don't have, they're just, you know, they're paycheck to paycheck every, every week. And so we've kind of tailored our subprime program to also include that. So it's not necessarily just CD and E paper that we consider subprime. We try to, you know, figure out anything we possibly can within our policy limits to, get somebody into a vehicle because obviously it's so important to get back and forth to work. I mean, you're not going to pay, be able to pay your loan if you don't work. So it's been very lucrative for us in a way, but it's also um, been very rewarding as far as 
seeing the reaction of some of our newer members who have come in as a referral from, you know, a small mom and pop dealership, you know, just needed a $5,000 loan to get a car to get them back and forth to work and, and how grateful they are because nobody else would do it or their only option was a 22% loan, you know, through some crazy credit bureau that was offering, you know, the no credit, no, no worries kind of a thing. So that's been nice to see and, and being able to, you know, we've done a couple of refis too that have knocked people's monthly payments down and saved them thousands of dollars in interest because they were, they had done that. They had gone through that kind of predatory lending um, option in the previously and they have come in and refinanced. So that's been a, a great tool for us. And it, I think it also adds a little kind of feel good moment to the loan officers when they're, when they're processing those loans, it, it, they really understand that they're helping something. Another unique product that you offer um, that people in other parts of the country uh, might be interested to learn about is fuel assistant loans, um, which are popular and much needed in the Northeast. Can you tell me uh, why these imp- are important to your membership? Sure. So we, we framed our fuel assistance loan basically like an overdraft loan like other people would at other credit unions kind of would set it up. And we thought it was important because we do have, you know, programs in our area like everybody does um, for fuel assistance, government programs, state programs. But a lot of times people might not qualify for that, um, even though they're low income because there's such specific standards and such um, specific income requirements for that or lack of income requirements for that, that sometimes they still don't qualify even though they really should. So we kind of developed a product that um, it's basically a revolving line of credit up to $2,000 and they can come in and they can use it um, for fuel assistance. They can use it for heating repairs, pellets, um, you know, to buy cords of wood, all that type of stuff. Um, and all they need to do, they just need to bring in a bill or an invoice from that company, and then we just pay that company directly from their from their loan. But it's so, and it's a hundred dollar payment minimum each month, and they just pay it back, and then they can pay more. But um, and as they pay it back, the money becomes available again. So it's just a revolving kind of a thing. So they could prepay, pay it down, lock in the fuel price, um, then pay it down, and then have it available through the winter if something should happen to their furnace. They know that they have at least that little bit of a cushion to kind of help them pay for that. And then they don't have to pony up two grand or three grand right away because they know that they have that that safety net. And I I think it's been a very good product for us. And you know we definitely have some fuel companies on board, and we have our our local community action that you know is part of the the regular fuel assistance program that the government and state runs. But because they know that there's a lot of people that still need that assistance that may not qualify for that program. They've been a very good um, advocate for that loan program for us. Yeah, coming from Wisconsin where the temperature seems to drop a couple degrees every day, I can uh, understand that. It comes fast, doesn't it? (laughs) It sure does, yeah, and I love the fall, yeah. And you're also active with the National Federation of Community Development Credit Unions, which has been, uh, as of last week, was renamed Inclusive, I believe. Inclusive, Um, yes. And why is that work important to you and your credit union, and what are you trying to accomplish there? So um, Inclusive was kind of that conference that really nailed it for us. So that is a conference that I I met John Bilso, the CEO of Greylock, and that was where we had those great conversations about um, about financial education and helping us get our program started. But whenever I go to that 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 conference and 
that organization, they are just so inspiring with some of the the community development that they do and the products that the credit unions that belong to them um, come up with. It, they're innovative and they're just so tailored to their to their membership. It's it's really inspiring to kind of to walk out of there, you know, go off their website and start thinking about that in our community and what specifically we could do here. But they also offer such great consulting services that are helping us right now um, with our micro business loan, trying trying to get that um, together so we have the correct policies and regulations going forward and underwriting. And then I, they have a, a CDFI program that um, helps um, kind of walk through kind of the ugliness of, of applying for CDFI. It's really kind of a heavy load that because they do it so often that they, they're really good at helping about it. But they just, I think just the idea engine that they produce is so good in that the whole game plan is, is you know, what my game plan is, is, is community development. We want to get out and be an asset to our community, not just a financial institution. We don't want to be looked at as just a financial institution. Yeah, that's our main that's our main duty. That's what brings us the income to provide us the ability to do the things that we want to do as far as community development. But I think they really promote the idea of of not just being a financial institution and being able to go out and make an impact in a way that is more effective, I think, than a, than a big bank could. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.